Welcome to From the BOLN. This is the debrief from Burnley versus Luton. And uh, well, we did we did have the idea that we do these fast after the event, but I'm quite glad we we've had to take our time on this one, really, because um, judging by some of the social media reaction to that uh, performance and everything, it's probably been a good idea to have 48 hours to sort of digest it all a little bit. Um, some of it feels uh, a little bit old, like talking about whether or not that was a foul on James Trafford or not. I think the world has given its verdict on that, apart from, uh, as Chris was pointing out uh, earlier on to us, apart from any pundits who previously played for Blackburn Rovers who seemed to think it uh, wasn't a foul. But here we are, full squad, Andrew Greaves, Paul Woodhouse, Justin Connolly and Chris Borden. Um, Justin, Mm. Friday night on the turf... How did you feel when that was all over? Um, I think angry is probably the word that springs to mind immediately. I mean, you know, it's hard enough getting points in the Premier League, isn't it, without having um, these kinds of things happen. We know, we, I mean, we, we've got to talk about the goal, the equalising goal, haven't we, in, in, in the dying minutes. I, I, to me, it's what's weird about it is to, it's not even controversial to me. It's like... It's like a very clear and obvious foul, you know. And if VAR exists for any reason, it's it's to correct mistakes like that, isn't it? And I, I'm absolutely baffled as to why the goal wasn't wasn't disallowed. I don't know if anybody has ever read the FA's rules of the game, or or whether you've had uh, you know something better to do. But I've I've dipped into it from time to time, and. Impeding a player with contact is explicitly forbidden. Quite a lot of the other things that that uh, that uh, are forbidden are, are left up to the referee's discretion. But that is one of the one things that you can't do. And clearly, that's what happened. I'm not even sure whether we need to talk about intent or not. He backed up. You know, uh, he impeded Trafford's um, uh, progress towards picking up the ball and. It's a foul, isn't it? And and to 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 get to that point in the game where you know we look like we're going to get what what is an essential three points, it's it's just inf- absolutely infuriating. And it's not the first time it's happened this season, is it? We've had a few VAR things go against us. And I, I note I noted that like a lot of the discussion online was about things that were totally irrelevant to the incident. A lot of people saying, "Oh, well, Trafford wasn't going to get the ball anyway." Well, you know that's. That's arguable, isn't it? And uh, it's it, it's it's just it's real. You walk off there and you think, well, we 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 maybe didn't. It wasn't our best performance of the season, but I think in that second half we were well in control of the game. And to 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 lose two points um, in that way is just infuriating, isn't it? It is. It is. And. Uh... You know, I think uh, Vincent Company went through the list of decisions that have gone against the team in in the last couple of months, um, mm. and I think most of them were, almost all of them, I think you'd you'd have to agree with that we've been on the wrong end of those kind of decisions. I do think Trafford was a bit weak, though. I, I don't think he would have got to it, um, but that is by the by. You know, it was a foul. Um, my initial reaction was Trafford watching it from a wideish angle. Is 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 Trafford's gone for the ball and he's not gone for it in a very convincing fashion whatsoever, and he he went down a little bit easily. I still think he did a bit, but it, it is a foul as well. I mean, Chris, does does that happen with Nick Pope? Well, we know it. It, it, it in all likelihood it doesn't. But he to Trafford, to be fair, I thought he had one of his most in games, you know, he's coming and claiming, so he's probably within his uh, within his rights. Say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go 
pluck another one out of the sky. But uh, I, I say I'm, I'm the same. I say in, in in the game I grew up watching, that's a foul. It's you know the goalkeeper's weak, but you know the, things have tightened up and anything anything on a goalkeeper. You know the, the thing is, so I think Rachel, uh, Rachel, uh, a friend of the podcast, of course, Rachel Brownfinish said on uh, TNT Sport, she said, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred that gets given, and that's the most annoying thing to me. It's, it's the inconsistency when you've got Andy Gray <laughs> saying it's a foul. You know, Andy Gray who famously put Steve Sherwood and the ball in the back of the net in the cup final in eighty four for Everton. You know, I, I, I thought when someone posted that clip, I thought Andy Gray's going to say, no, wrong with this. Old school, centre forward. But, you know, for, that stunned me. But if he's saying it's a foul, and I think like, like we're saying, you know, 99.9% of pundits think it's a foul, bar those who've uh, worn blue and white halves. It's, uh, yeah, he, 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 he turns, physically sticks his backside into Trafford. And, and Trafford, see, he's... He's physically weak for me, and he isn't going to claim the ball. But it, in the modern day, it's a foul, especially when you look at Ramsey the week before, who's barely tickled Jaram, who goes hmm. he's still spinning in the area at Villa Park, and, uh, and and that gets given. I just I'm just looking at I, you know we all look at things from from a, a claret perspective, and I, I think we're quite I think we're quite fair and reasoned, you know. Right? I mean, I can get carried away, but I just, you just look at all these, the, the, the decisions that Vincent labelled. You know, whether you think they're fouls or not, or penalties or not, isn't it about time we got one where there was mm. an element of doubt? You know, the, the ones that could go either way, the ones we think that are cast iron, they ain't getting. And mm. it just, it just galling. And for Luton to put up that, they put a clip up, haven't they, of him, Trafford wasting time during the game, which sort of got my back up a little, but they didn't show the other half of the you know the, the situation where he's trying to get Burnley going on the break with a quick throw out, and then to wrap it up with uh, Kaminsky going over and wasting time in the area with uh, was it Oops I did it again by Britney Spears on the soundtrack. I, I thought that was a bit toy town to be honest, but uh, yeah, they can enjoy their enjoy their well earned draw. Yeah. I think I don't think we're going to get much dissent on the fact that that it was a foul and that we were hard done by and and and, and robbed at the end of that game. Question for for you, Greavesy, would be: Was it an unfair scoreline though overall over the ninety minutes? A draw? Do you think? I I, I kind of do, and I know Rob Edwards came out afterwards and said, "Yeah, you know, it's a game we probably could have won and things like that." Listen, neither side. I don't think either side were fantastic. I don't think it was a sparkling game of football. It weren't a great advert for the greatest league in the world. Um, and again, I've got a question: Vincent's substitutions. He is, you know, this season just baffling with his substitutions. Going to a back five always going to invite that pressure. But as Justin said right at the beginning, we were pretty much in control in that second half. The back five you know, soaked, soaked it up. To be fair, there wasn't a threat, was there? No. No, so I don't think it's a fair result. And, you know, certainly not going to get a dissenting voice from me. It's it's, it's a foul in the flesh. And then the more mm. you watch it, the more I'm convinced it's a foul. Um, we don't help ourselves. We know that. And I, I agree. I don't think Trafford's getting to that. But I thought he had a good game. I thought he was trying to get us moving quickly. I thought the two centre-halves looked fantastic. Dara the Rock O'Shea, as we've christened him. Another mm. fantastic game. Real leadership. I think Ekdal's bringing the ball out of defence better than Bear has been doing in the Premier League. Some real smart moves from, from him. Aldekiel hung out to dry at left-back again. Not quite sure why Vincent keeps putting the poor kid in the uh, in the firing line. Um, and Vitinho, oh, I thought, had one of his worst games in, in kind of recent times. So, really mm. mixed at the back. Foster up front, fantastic striker's performance with very little to go on, but all pace and power and, and strength and, and trying to get us moving. Amdouni is usual in and out self, you know, so if you're looking at it overall, you might go, well, that's everything you've described suggests it should have been a draw. I don't think the performance deserved the draw. I, you know, I think we deserved all three points because we'd done that thing where we were starting to grind out a really good result. Um, mm. Like I say, not helped by Vincent's substitutions, I don't think. But again, it is just so annoying that we're sat here Two points dropped against Forest, two points uh, 
to Friday night, a point against Villa at least, a point against Bournemouth. That six points lifts us just about out of the uh, out of the relegation zone. And that's the thing. So I presume we're going to get a 1-0 win at Liverpool and a 1-0 win at Man City over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> for, uh, we, we dodged last-minute penalties. And I presume once we've done that, we can draw a line under it and Howard Webb can stick his apology where the sun doesn't shine. Um, but we know it's not going to happen. You know, that's the, that's the problem. Quite an upbeat uh, take on that performance there from Greavesley. I mean, Woody, I suspect there might be a slightly different viewpoint coming from Cleveland. <clears throat> Not really. I can normally be quite sanguine about, you know, refereeing decisions, etc. I can normally be, see both sides or see where they're coming from. Not with this. It's fucking bullshit. It genuinely is. I've just watched the highlights again. I, I, I very rarely get triggered. And if I didn't love my dog as much as I did, I would have booted him back to Burnley by now. <laughs> you know, it's uh, the performance in general. It's like we've, we've, we've finally morphed into the Brazil 70 side, but not the good part of the Brazil 70 side. There are, there are highlights on YouTube of that Brazil 70 side, of the outtakes and the bloopers, where they're just ballooning the ball out of fucking play. You know what I mean? They're not able to control the ball properly. And I'm watching, I'm like watching Cullen and he's booting the ball, you know, for no apparent reason over the Keel's head, out, out of play. You know, watching Odebear and Amdouni try and track back, you know. Mm. I've seen people who have been, you know, uh, taken off leave the pitch quicker than watching those two track back. <laughs> Odebear should never, ever enter our half again. Only going one direction. It was absolutely appalling. No wonder De Keel is left out to dry. All they did was like give the ball to Barkley and he pinged it like a quarterback for 20 minutes and we didn't know mm. what the devil to do. It was mm. appalling. I will give Vincent a little bit of credit that he didn't let that go on for 45 minutes. He, he decided to like uh, pull uh, Good Monson inside and we, we, we pushed everybody towards the left and played behind... Uh, played behind the wing back, etc. And that's where we kind of got the goal from. But bloody hell, there's a there's a there's a lack of effort in transition when we're having to do defensive work. And it and it kind of shows. But other than that, it's um obviously very annoying. And I think you've seen two sides that are definitely going down this year. Yeah, I were left with that feeling. It was yeah. definitely two two teams that are going down playing. I mean I think that that bit you're talking about, that middle of the first half after um yeah, reasonably sort of start, but Luton were fairly comfortable, weren't they? And then mm -hmm. there was just a twenty-minute spell before the goal came, before the before we sort of picked it up and then and then went and got the goal, where it just seemed to be falling to pieces. I mean, it just players were all over the place in positions and 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 distribution was. It just seemed to be turning. You could, I don't know what it was like in the ground. Obviously, but on TV, you could pick up a lot of murmurs and like, what's going on here? You know, it. Mm -hmm. it, it and to and to company's credit, he did adjust things, and 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 the, and the second half was at least more compact, but still miles off, really. You know, in terms of in terms of what we'd have hoped for. I mean, I mean, we'll maybe get into it when we get into the into the questions. But this, you know, the style of play thing. I mean, I'm I'm not sure where we are with that now because you know we started off the year with we're, we're sticking to this company ball way of playing, which we then adjusted to become more compact and realistic which was necessary and the results and the performances started to be more solid as a result of that more solid formation but it, it seems we've just morphed into into mediocrity really to be to cut, off, cut off 33% possession at home to Luton we finished, finished 21 really, points finished 21 points better than them last year I think they spent 6 million quid we spent 100 plus whatever the figure is in, when it's converted from euros, etc. And if one team, I say, what if what if it's both will go down? If one team's going to survive, or those two, it's Luton. And you, you look at the teams team. on paper. Team. You look at the teams on paper, and they shouldn't they shouldn't be anywhere near us. You know, Townsend, you know, Townsend was at a Townsend game where he flitted in and out, and you know didn't notice him. Barkley, who for me, yeah, he's a good player, but he's a nearly player, always has been. He'll never fulfil his potential. And he, he nearly creates something and he nearly scores a goal and he nearly does this. And we made him look like bloody Pirlo 
half an hour. You know, it, yeah, it's just like I say, we're, we're, you know, this this team that's going to football, you know, the way and retain that principle to have thirty odd percent possession at home against one of the most direct sides in the division is just mind boggling. And well, I, you just confirm what we've suspected for a long time that there's there's no way out, is there? The substitutions thing was, to me, was was really puzzling that that we were hanging on to a one 0 lead. weren't really hanging on that much actually, but we we were trying to protect a one goal lead. Let's put it that way. And he brings on Trezor and Brun Larson, and mm. I just I, I don't know what he's seen in either of those two players to think they're the guys who are going to knuckle down and battle and protect and chase and harry. I mean, if you put Jerod on up front. At least you know that J-Rod, even, even the later career version of J-Rod, he's going to hold the ball up, he's going to close people down, he's going to do things. Trezor, that, the, the moment that I'll, I'll think, apart from the obvious the, the foul on, uh, on Trafford, the moment that will stick with me from that game that just summed up some of our new players and, and, and this season really was when ball comes to Trezor just outside our box and he goes for a no-look flick pass inside straight to a Luton player on the edge of our box which just before the equalized but we, we got away with it but you know what on earth is going through his head to think that uh, with a one nil lead and in that position on the field that's what he should be trying to do is he overdoing it trying to make an impression in the short spells that he, he's getting off the bench but he pulled out of a tackle as well. I mean, I'm really, you know, we're on the hook for 15 million for that fellow, and it, there's really not been a lot from him to suggest that he's that kind of kind of player. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Greasy, what what did you make of those substitutions? I mean, they're not the reason that we didn't win the game, but they were still seemed odd well, to me. I, I, again, I, I, I kind of disagree in terms of to a, to a degree about you know when you go five at the back like we did. It is inviting that pressure, you know what I mean? It is inviting that pressure. And it's it's bringing players in who've been nowhere near. I mean, I know Jack Court came on in, you know, last minute of injury time and things like that. But Cullen's, Cullen's start in the game and Cullen's not, you know, been in and out of the match day squad. We're told Berger was was available for selection, so I don't know if there's an injury there. Supposedly ill Greavesy, weren't it? Or was he really? Oh, well, fair enough. Um, it just felt like, you know, when we were at the start of the season where it was just like the madness of King Vinny and we didn't know what the lineup was going to be and things <laughs> like that. Once he'd brought the substitutions on, it was like that weird kind of, well, it's just like the Mighty Ducks. We're just going to play, you know, 12 up front and to hell with everything else kind of thing. And he just doesn't build on what we've got. It's this madness of we're going to bring Brun Larson <laughs> and, and Trezor on. For um for Audebart and uh, Goodmanson um or or Amdouni, I think Trezor came on for, you know Roberts on for for Goodmanson. It's just everything about it. You know, as soon as you bring Roberts on, and you're shifting Vitinho to left back, you're moving a player out of position. You know, you're moving Aldekiel back inside, so you're moving two players to accommodate one player, and it's just it's madness. The whole thing is madness when it comes to his substitutions. Um. I mean, Mike Trezor apparently, and I don't, I don't know if any of you lot know this, um, record number of assists in the Belgian league last season. Player of the year new, as well, I really? think. New, oh. new stat that came out, I think, on the, uh, the Sky commentary. Um, <laughs> I mean, Christ, I think we'd all get a game. We're only one good pre-season away from a stint at the top of the Belgian league if that's, you know, if this is the level we're at. Um, and I've been willing to give him a chance because I still think he'd, he'd come good, but... <laughs> The more I see him, the more I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah. So you my know, window cleaners, lads, playing in Belgium first division. <laughs> he is actually, yeah. Truth. I was talking to Saxy, yeah, Saxy <laughs> refereed our games on the, on a Monday night, and uh, he was saying he's back in the team because he's, uh, his colleagues off at the Asia Cup. But, um, I mean, tell you what, someone like Ross Sykes, a bit of a galloping right back and a tall old centre centre half, you know, he'd probably do do quite well in this team. But, yeah, the substitutions continue to baffle me. It's not the reason we, we didn't get the win. You know, we've been shafted by the referee. But I do think it adds to that. I don't know, you're bringing players on. Again, Trezor gets six minutes to impress, so he's going to try them things because that's naturally what he's about. He's a flair player. You know, they're going to try these things. And the problem is, you know, and we, a mate of mine said to me last night, you know, Foster, 
He works so hard, but nobody's on the same page as him. He's holding the ball off. He's trying to let it off, and nobody's up with play because everybody's trying to get out into wings and all that. Like, there's no mm. coherence to any. There's no flow. There's no rhythm. There's no coherence to the performances. And I tell you what, you know, if he does eventually get it right and we start to click and get that coherence and that rhythm, we will blow teams away like we did last year. I think we'll run out of games now. And this is probably the first time on this podcast that I've kind of started to admit defeat. I think we're just going to run out of games and we've not got a cat in hell's chance of staying up now. Hmm. The last voice of positivity on this podcast has, <laughs> has, has gone. There should be a klaxon warning or something. <laughs> well, on, on that note, I think we need to take a break. I, I, I don't know what to say. We, we need to... Let's take a break. Come back. We've had lots of questions, haven't we, from from uh, listeners out there, and we, we 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 do this quite often and don't always get to them. So let's let's dedicate the second half of the show to talking about some of the talking points raised by our listeners after that game, who've had time to consider things as well. So we'll do that right after this break. Right then. So, yeah, we asked uh, this morning, uh, Sunday morning, for some uh, questions or talking points. And that was kind of fueled yesterday by Simon Holding uh, on Twitter, uh, a big, uh, a big long time listener of the show, who's making a point about Josh Brown. And I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about this. Um, and Simon says, we'd like to know the panel's view on our captain. Uh, horrendous Premier League stats, 98 games, five goals, four assists for a forward playing centre midfielder. Getting about the pitch and puts a foot in, he's not good enough at this level. Absent again on Friday night in a key position. Can't drive forward the ball, one-touch specialist, can't break the lines, can't pick a forward decisive pass. Doesn't arrive late in the box, no goal threat, struggles to land a corner. Uh, don't like to criticise when it works extremely hard. <laughs> um, Woody. Oh, God. <laughs> Josh Brownhill. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's probably it's probably quite right. You know, he's he's one he's one of those. He's he's obviously very good in the championship. Fails to make the grade in the Premier League, and yes, he's very he's very industrious. He gets himself about. Looks like he's working hard with uh, no real product. Can't really keep up with the the game necessarily. Quite easy to float past, um, and but. I mean, yes, if you had better options, we would be playing them. And it's obviously quite apparent that Vinny thought that as well at the beginning of the season. And he's kind of in by default because we didn't sign anybody particularly better than him in order to do a job. So, yeah, mm. I can't really disagree with a lot of that, to be honest with you. Simon, I mean, we... we... We've kind of discussed when we were talking about kind of favourite players and as kind of favourite eleven. Some of the kind of industrious, hard-working, tough tackling, you know, players that we've all watched over the last God knows how long of following Burnley. We've, we've said this all, all year. We've really kind of missed that kind of player, haven't we? And Josh Brownhill's kind of, as Woody said, great in the Championship, really, you know, really effective in there. When it comes to the Premier League, that midfield, whoever's in that midfield too, aside from perhaps Sander Berger, there's just not the quality, is there? No, I mean, I'd be reluctant to point the finger at Josh Brownhill after that performance, to be honest, because um, the thing that upsets me about this team, and, it, and I don't like this team anymore, really. I mean, at the start of the season, I was really fascinated to see how they develop and, 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 and you know, it took that attitude that, you know, we're going to we're gonna lose a lot of games, but at least, you know, the young players and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I, I don't like this team because I think there's far too many players in that team who think they're superstars, um, who aren't putting it in. I mean, I absolutely will we'll, we'll give uh, credit for Foster, who I think is an average centre-forward, really, in a Premier League level, but who will work his socks off, as you said, and grafts and probably pulls up with cramp towards the end of a game quite often. Um, absolutely won't criticise Lyle Foster because he's doing that. And I'm reluctant for the same reason with Josh Brownhill because he crafts and he puts it in and he's not he's not a superstar. He's not an attacking midfielder. He shouldn't be the person you're looking to to create things. He's a little ratter. He gets about and, and does what he does and he's, he's, not, he's not a superstar. But compared to some of these players who, 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 who can, you know, think they can do... 
fancy turns and flicks and uh, showing off for the highlights reel instead of, you know, tracking back and doing some work. I'd take Josh Brown all over most of them, to be honest, just because of your graph, you know. And, yeah, are those, are those slogans that Dice used to have uh, at uh, Gawthorpe still up on the wall? Yeah, you know, yeah, the they're all still up, yeah. Legs, yeah. hearts, minds. Yeah, yeah. Um, Minimum ma- requirement, maximum effort, yeah. Yeah, that, that only particular yeah. sort of comes to mind quite a lot. So, I mean, Josh Cullen, the midfield is a problem because, well, especially when you take uh, Sander Berger out of it, as we, we, we were forced to do on Friday, because Cullen, unfortunately, we're seeing why West Ham didn't stick with him and why he went to play in Belgium. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not good enough to take the step up, you know. Brownhill's done it all right in the Premier League. He's he's not going to be a player who uh, who I think is going to you know do anything wonderful. But you know there's, there's a reason, as we said before on this podcast, there's a reason why he keeps being linked with teams like Everton and Wolves and West Ham and so on because a lot of teams need somebody who will just do a lot of work in midfield. But um, no, I mean if we want to point fingers at, at, at players in our team, uh, Brownhill would be quite low down on my list actually. Interesting. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. We'll start with uh, with you, Justin, because I'm quite interested. Interested A, whether you 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 are now kind of sharing um, the viewpoint of, I think, all of us that we're, we're now destined to go down to the championship. Mm. Uh, and then a question from uh, James Spencer says, do you envisage VK having the stomach for another crack at the championship? Or can you see him looking to move on if we are to return to the EFL? Uh, do you think it's game over? Do you think we're now destined to be playing championship football next season? And do you think Vincent will be with us? Um, well, no, I don't think it's. I don't think it's out of the question that we'll stay up. I think what what is the f- five points in it now? Is something like that? Five. I don't think it's. I don't think it's out of the question that we can catch up. I, I've said all along that I think we're going to get more points um, in the second half of the season than we did in the first. Like you, I'm. I'm um, I suspect we might run out of games. Um, although the performance on Friday has given me a little bit of a, a, a kick, really, in the sense that I expected us to really dominate that game and win it quite easily, um, given the recent performances. I think we really, we really did miss uh, Sander Berger in that game. I think he he would have made a massive difference in that yeah. midfield. Whether 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 Vincent stays on, I think it's inevitable that he will have to. I can't I can't imagine <clears throat> that taking a team down out of the Premier League is going to look good on his on his CV without taking us back up again. Um, and and the 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 project is still ongoing, isn't it? The project to, I mean, they said before, didn't they? That they're they're, they're we're already ahead. Um, I think it was a, a, a three years they suggested, three seasons it was going to take us to get back in shape, to get back up into the Premier League. So even if we do go down, that's still that's still on, isn't it? Um, whether we whether we can hold the squad together, I don't know. Um, I think probably there, there are a number of players who, who Premier League sides would take a gamble on if we if we go down, but I, the manager is definitely not. Um, somebody who a Premier League side would take a gamble on. So if he, if he, it's hard to see where where he would end up if he did um, leave us and, and try and you know resurrect something somewhere else. Um, you know we know Sky we know Sport. one. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean one of the reasons he came he came to Burnley was that his you know his family wanted to settle in the northwest again. You know he he doesn't want to be going going back to Belgium doesn't he he doesn't, he doesn't want to be going elsewhere he wants to stay here so I, I w- if we if we do go down I hope and I fully expect that he would he would stay Chris do you share that view that kind of you know Vincent he knows the championship now he's been very successful last year built a team that walked the championship is this a, a kind of a, a minor bump on his roadmap to managerial greatness or or is this a you know is this kind of you know fatal almost for his managerial ambitions if we were to go down it's not fatal but it, it would feel to me like a wasted opportunity I, I say I don't like all this, you know, that we're ahead of schedule, blah, blah, blah. Like I say, they were making plans from January last year to for the Premier League. You know, they brought in Foster, brought in Oberfemi, Alda Kiel, Ekdal, 
And of those four, only really Foster has sort of uh, enhanced his, his reputation on it, to be honest. And it's, uh, yeah, if, I mean, if they go down, I think we go down not as good shape as we came up. I don't think we're ever as good a side. You know, mm. I think Brownhill's out of contract. Uh, yeah, again, I'm torn on, on, on Brown. I think, he, you know, he's not only is he a good player in the championship, I think he's one of the better players mm. in the championship. The only thing that disappointed me last year about his season is he, he didn't pop up with... I thought he'd get, he could get uh, double figures yeah. from midfield last season and he finished up with what he got for Bristol City on a regular mm. basis, five. But, you know, he was in the team of the, uh, the, team of the year, you know, and he... he one of the dominant, you know, dominant players in the championship. To me, he's like a, he's like a Hendrick. You know, he costs less than Hendrick, but he's, you know, that sort of player. Does he create enough in the Premier League? No. Does he score enough? No. Does he graft? Absolutely. You know, and it, to to replace that costs, uh, uh, well, eight figures plus, doesn't it? So it's, uh, you know, who, who, who you can bring in for that sort of for that sort of money to replace that, really. As we've seen, if you look abroad, do you get the same work rate? You might get a bit more technical ability, a bit more quality, but uh, do you get the same work rate? Not necessarily. So uh, it's no, I, 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 I'm, I'm in the same boat as Justin. I think Vincent would, would have to stay just to sort of. Uh, he's not, not. He's not enhanced his reputation any in the Premier League. In fact, he's probably you know his bubble's been burst a little, hasn't he? You know, I, think, uh, I think everyone was expecting him to guide Burnley to uh, to safety. Not only is not 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 looking like it's going to happen, it's looking like a, a bit of a catastrophe, really. From from, yeah. from day one, from the mishmash of a team against Man City, you gone down from from within three three minutes of that game when we fell behind, and you just felt ah, all all my sort of pre-season hopes and expectations out the window, and it's not got any better since. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Daz BFC says. Uh, Simon, does pacing the board back VK with more cash in January, or do we just use the low market and expect uh, and accept our fate that it's game over? If you're Alan Pace and ALK, and we talked in the podcast last week about um, you know the, the shifting of the credit facility, which might be about unlocking more cash, um, do you give him more money to spend, or do you kind of you know look at the players like Fafana who we've brought in, and we'll chat about in a second because we've got a question about uh, the Chelsea loan man. Do you back in with cash or do you say, look, we spent a lot of money in the summer. You know, you've got to get a tune out of these instruments. Well, let's draw on what we know from the documentary, which is when we went down last time, um, the finance man who was driving in the uh, Land Rover uh, next to uh, Alan Pace on the road out of Gawthorpe uh, made it very clear that we were going to have to sell some players uh, to finance what needed to be done. Uh Last last summer to prepare for the championship, um, I would imagine the same thing would happen again. I mean, I don't think we're in any better financial position massively. Are oh, we've had TV money, but we spent uh, 120 million on a team that's worse than the one we had last year. So I don't think you know we're in a any particularly stronger financial position. Although we don't know because we don't we don't know really what's going on with the money at all. I mean, loan loan markets. There's you know. They like loan markets when it comes to money, don't they? You know, because they 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 certainly uh, have got lots of loans going on. So we, we but we don't know is the money there or, or what the situation is, uh, which is a big big concern, because you know I would think when we go down, I would think practically that the last of the old guard remaining will be cleared out and their wages taken off the bill. So I would expect that uh, J Rod, Jack Court, probably Goodmanson. Uh, Roberts, um, you know, probably had, had a couple more names there that haven't come to mind. That, that those kind of players will probably be cleared out. Who's going to be coming in for our? You know, there's no Tarkovsky, McNeils, Ben, Ben Mees, uh, Nathan Collins, um, Maxwell Corney type players who we're going to be able to sell. I mean, who 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 would we be able to sell at a profit on the ones that we've bought? Odebar, maybe. Possibly paid, get 15, 16 for him, but we, we paid We nine, paid 12. 12 for him, yeah. Whatever it was, yeah. So Coley Osho. Coley Osho's been injured all year, so probably not. 
you know, I mean, somebody might look at those five or six games he played or whatever at the start of the season before he got injured and say he's worth a punt. Would you spend much more than 10 on somebody who's played half a dozen games? Mm. I don't know. There's not really, you know, James Trafford, I'm not seeing somebody coming in with 40 million for him to double his money on, on, on James Trafford. So, you know, if they are going to invest, they're probably going to have to, you know, release people. We don't know what clauses there are in the contracts, how many Vegos-type deals there are in place with the European players we've signed where, you know, um, are we really on the hook for the $15 million for Mike Trezor uh, for the, to play him in the championship? Or is there some get-out clause there? We don't know. There's loads of stuff. But I, I would think the... The b- b- back him, it's not really the question, is it? Really, it's like what is going to be left at the end of that process for company to rebuild the third team in three years that he's going to completely rebuild so that when we get to October, November in the championship, we're on this podcast saying, you know, I just see him starting to gel now. There's a lot of new faces and, uh, you know, <laughs> just... I mean, that could happen. And I, what I don't, what I really don't buy into is this narrative that you hear a lot from Burnley fans and you see it on social media of, well, we'll go down and then we'll come back up again. Just because we've done it a couple of times, there's absolutely no guarantee that's going to happen. You know, I mean, part of me looks at it and thinks, like I was saying to Woody the other night, Odebar on one wing and Kolyosha on other in championship will run teams ragged. But another part of me says, you know, maybe we just have another hodgepodge of a team. Company makes some weird decisions. Uh, we get things wrong in the transfer market again, and we might struggle in mid-table in the championship. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't see us crashing down to League One. Who knows what the relationship between Company and Pace is, is going to be like at the end of this season? Because you know, they said that Sean Dash had a job for life, didn't they? So I don't expect them to get rid of him. I expect them to back him. To go back to your, your question in the sense that they'll give him some resources to rebuild something. Um, but I don't think it's a case of us going down and strengthening for promotion. I think it's going to be another clear out and another rebuild. Do you share that view, Woody, in terms of, you know, it, it does look likely that the old guard who are coming to the end of their contracts, this team will look completely different to to a team that, you know, two years ago got relegated from the Premier League. There'll be very, very few survivors, if any. We were told the club wants to open talks with Charlie Taylor, but he could end up being, you know, if Brownhill goes, if Court goes, if Jay goes, if... Roberts goes if you know add yep. a few more names as Simon said. It, it very rarely do you see a squad completely disappear over what is what would essentially just be two seasons for transfer windows, do you? Exactly, exactly. You can. I mean, the argument is it's arguably a, a bigger rebuilding job if we do go down than it was last season, and last season was a huge rebuilding job. You know, it's like we have absolutely no idea who would be going, who would be staying, who do we get money for, who do we not get money for. And we're probably in agreement in saying that we probably wouldn't get as much money as we thought we might do because of the way things have transpired. So I think there's infinitely more uncertainty. I'm definitely not in the camp of getting rid of Vincent. It's a project, work with it. It, The longer it goes on, the more ridiculous it seems to to actually get rid of him. But (laughs) it's... it, it. I, I don't share this view either that we're coming straight back up because I, I genuinely don't know who we're going to have. And I wouldn't spunk a busload of cash on trying to stay in this division either. You know, that would worry me even more if we suddenly like, you know, bet the ranch on another 120 million on trying to shore up the middle of the park and it still falls to pieces. You know, that that then starts to become an existential threat to Burnley FC as a club, you know, over the next couple of seasons or whatever so yeah i i i, I don't know and it's it it, it worries me the, the the things that we said at the beginning of the year that we were slightly uncertain are starting to are starting to come to fruition and it's there's a it, I'm, I'm slightly uneasy about some of it i must admit yeah yeah me too I- before we get on to Fafana, because we will get on to our new signing, we've not actually spoken about on any of the podcasts yet because it, it, it was announced literally just after we'd finished recording uh, last Thursday. Uh, Nicholas Ward says, for all the signs of progress in a 4-4-2, we are constantly being overrun in midfield. Uh, now the defence appears to be a bit more solid, is it the time to go back to 4-3-3? Is the 4-4-2 just to accommodate Amdouni? 
Uh, and Nicholas says, I'd like to see Berger in the 10 in front of Cullen and Brownhill. Now, um, Chris, I, I know kind of, you know, it's potato, potato with Vince <laughs> because the, the kind of 442, 433, 451, it's, it's all just a mystery. I, I've I've had this feeling for a while that the system we're playing is purely to accommodate Amduni and the return that we're getting for this system is, you know, the kind of risk and reward is more risk and less reward because of Amduni's mm. inconsistency. Um, I, I personally, to answer Nicholas's question, I would go back to a 4-3-3 and it would be, it would be Berger in the 10 rather than Amdouni. I wouldn't have Amdouni near my starting lineup for now. Do you, do you, Chris, think a return to 4 3 3? Now the defense is a lot more solid. We, we feel like that unit is getting better. Might just help us get a handle on some of these games where we've, you know, we have been overrun in, in you know, the, the first part of the season. I think you can accommodate Amdouni. I mean, he gave one of his better performances of the season at, uh, Nottingham Forest playing from the right-hand side of a, a front three, if truth be told. I think, I mean, again, you can talk about systems and, you know, tactics all you like in the Premier League. But the, 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 the players, you know, they're going to play in the next couple of games. They're going to play against squads and whatever teams they're selected from those squads that are a million miles better than what anything we've got. So you can play whatever system you want. You can go back to the old W formation. You can do, you know, you can try to pretend <laughs> we're old Johan Cruyff or whatever. You can be, <laughs> let's play two, three, five and smash it at everyone. You know, but it, it, it doesn't matter. We just aren't good enough. You know, so yeah. it's it's a uh, it's one of those. I'm, I'm doing it to me. I, I, he, he is. He, he's erratic. He's uh, you know, he, he makes strange decisions at times. He can't seem to stay on his on his feet at the moment. I think he needs to change his boots, first and foremost. <laughs> but uh, he's, uh, I, tell you, he, he, I mean, he, he, he's the one. He, he, I think he's he's genuine quality, the lad. You know, he's, he's technically as good as anything we've seen in a Burnley shirt. I, I, I do, you know, we, we talk about, you know, like what he was saying the other week, you know, Stephen Fletcher, you know, you go back and because his stay was so short-lived, people don't, you know, they don't remember how good of, you know, technically he was sensational, Fletcher. I think Amdoon is like, you know, very similar. Will he finish with eight or nine goals like Fletcher? Probably not, but he's, he's we've, we've seen Berger for, he, he can influence it further forward. He could play in front of the back four. He's shown he can do both. It's, you know, I, I mean, the side looked better without Cullen in it with, with, with Brownell and Berger. So I mean, I'd, I'd I'd be happy with that to be honest, but it's one of those now. You the run of games in Osho looked red hot, picked up an injury. Oderberg's had a run of six or seven starts where he's been red hot and then sort of tapered off a little. You know, have we got anything ex- as explosive a talent as him? You know, Trezor's not really that talent. Trezor's a luxury as well. You know, I'm saying I'm not I'm not surprised he got linked with Palace in the summer because you can see. You know, with, with you know they've got an Eze and a Olise and players like that built on an absolutely rock solid foundation. That you know, I think the the, the concern at Palace is that they want the the handbrake taken off that you know Roy Roy Hudson typically uh, provides. But uh, he, he probably would have fit in well at Palace. He's, he ain't fitting in well in in our side because defensively we aren't good enough. And the uh, the framework as Sean Dash used to talk about just isn't isn't strong enough. But, it's, I, I, I wouldn't be leaving Andoni out of that side. I think he's you know, one of the one bright sparks, really, of, of the season. And Justin, we, we've got a new signing, first signing of the January <laughs> transfer window uh, from uh, from Chelsea, um, Fafana, uh, in on loan. Mm. Do we change the system to accommodate him, or do you think he's one of these players who's come in to kind of sit on the bench and give us an mm. option and, and things like that. Do you, do you see, I mean, it, not a great season for Union Berlin, just the two goals in, I think it's 17, 18 matches. Um, he scored in his last game, I should say, his last Bundesliga game he did score in just before the uh, the winter break in Germany. Mm. Does bringing him in change the way we approach games 
or is he just a kind of, you know, is he a Foster replacement when Foster inevitably, you know, pulls up with cramp or kind of after 80 minutes, you know, he's blowing out of his arse? I think he's exactly that, isn't he? He's, he's somebody who we've we we need numbers in that part on in that part of the pitch. I think he's exactly that. Um, I don't see them. I don't see him changing the 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 way that we play to accommodate him. Um, I mean, for 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 me, I think that uh, we, like I said before, we really badly miss Sanderberger uh, uh, against Luton. And and the minute he's available again, he comes back in for Cullen for me, and and we go back to that that sort of system that seemed to be a bit more solid and a bit more um, a, a bit more able to to cope with what what the better sides have been able to throw us. It's not, you know, we we were disappointed by what happened against Luton, but you know we we still we still have made that significant improvement over the last couple of months and it, it, it that's still there. Um so no change in the formation, no dropping of Amduni. Bring bring Berger back in and you know we, we, we continue to build on what we've done before. I, um in terms of um in terms of the new signing <laughs> I was I, I don't know if any of you have watched the interview with him but um yeah it's a bit of a ludicrous car crash. I mean, I'm absolutely astounded that they actually put it out. I know. The, guy, the guy says to him, "What, what, you know, what, what sort of a player are you?" And the first thing that comes to his mind is to say that he's really lazy. Um, <laughs> and he has to, and the, and the guy interviewing him has to sort of correct him and say, "Oh, off, off the pitch, you mean?" Not, and he go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, on the pitch." I mean, I know English is perhaps not his first language, but. Everybody knows what lazy means. Don't they? So, and he didn't. He didn't I, like it in the Bundesliga because they, you have to run, 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 and run all the time. And if you didn't, you have yeah. to pay, which I presume he meant fined, which he did get fined <laughs> once by Union Berlin. Got suspended, yeah, for for not shaking the hand of his coach. You know? uh, I think he was late to right. a meet, late to a team meeting when they were announcing the coach had been sacked. So, from a discipline point of view, he's he's perhaps not the kind of guy you want in the trenches in a in a relegation yeah, yeah. battle. But we will stick that to one side I think because you know, <laughs> I, we, we've, we've got to give him the benefit of the doubt and sometimes players just need a manager to work with I remember kind of Keith Tracy talking at length about the the effect Sean Dyche had on him and things like that I'm not suggesting it's going to be like that but I think it is quite interesting anybody else got a view on Fafana I, I, I know nothing about him I have to say well no I mean a, a highlights reel that was less than Sparkling for his performance. <laughs> um, it just seems so, like a typical company signing to me. You know, another promising player from Europe who's got you know some sort of reputation, but he hasn't hasn't delivered it. Um, wasn't didn't make it at Chelsea. Hasn't done well at Union Berlin. So we're hoping that some magic happens when he arrives at Turf Moor. Um, but it's a loan. I mean, the only thing to the, the only, I mean, it just looks to me like one of those things where, like, you know, like we've learned nothing from some of our previous signings, to be honest. But, but, but let's see. You know, it's a loan, and if it doesn't work out, he goes back at the end of the season, and and there's nothing lost. It's not like we've, you know, hopefully not put in an agreement to buy him for fifteen million at the end of the season. <laughs> it can't think, be worse than Nimani. Well, I was I was just going to ask you this, Chris. Is <laughs> Is there a worry that we've signed 2023-24's Frederick Nemani? Because that was the first thing I thought of, I'll be honest, when 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 he signed and I saw Woody's little highlights reel that he shared with us. I should say it was on already on YouTube. Woody's not put the highlights yeah, I'm putting it together myself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is the kind of worry sometimes, isn't it? That you, you get these players who... You know they are a bit of a lost cause to a certain extent, and he, he pulled up lots of trees in Scandinavia where he got he had a brilliant record for mould, and then moved to Chelsea. It's not happened there. <laughs> My wardrobe's got a great record for mould. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <the> magazines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he's. He, I mean, let's see. He's. he's I don't, I've not seen the I've not seen the kid. He seems a character. I'll give him that from his video. It's you know it's, it's it'd be good to have about the place. If he's but if he's a, an Ivory Coast forward at Chelsea, why is he not at Afcon? Mm. You no, know, and I know Ivory Coast. You know, could draw on some uh, 
some decent forwards as well. But uh, he's his highlights really. I mean, his his pace, his direct. He looks you know exactly like every other player we've signed in those areas over the last six months or so. It's uh, where he can convert that into uh, into goals and an assist in the Premier League. We, and nobody has a clue. But uh, yeah, Nimani looked like he'd never played the sport before in his life, didn't mm. he? But. Uh, it, it, yeah. it does. It does. It tells me something that, like, when we when we when we signed those players in the summer, we didn't know what, what they were like either, did we? Really, but no. we after that season in the championship, and after players like Zaruri came along and Benson, and 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 we got you know had, had such wonderful uh, enjoyment out of watching them playing. We just presumed what well, company can spot a player, so they're gonna they're gonna come in and they're gonna be like it. Doesn't really matter that much how many games they've played. Colliosho had only played two games for Espanyol, hadn't he, or something? Yeah. It doesn't matter because companies spotted something and his recruitment team have spotted something. And like inevitably, after what's gone on this season, that that sort of blind faith in companies going to be if he's bringing him in, he's going to be a, a a star of the future. Just just isn't there anymore. Not for me anyway. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um. Final question, really. A couple of questions from Andy Barton. Uh, how do we fix VAR and officiating? I don't think we've got time to kind of go into that. Um, why get rid is of the VAR. Mil- there you go. Get rid of yeah, the VAR. Just, so, just bin it off. Bin it off. Stop doing bin it. it off. There we go, Andy. We'll just bin it off. Uh, why is the milk not in the concession stand? I think we need to have a where we are, mate, Bobby Ball, about that one. Um, but the most kind of pressing question uh, is, what is our identity this season? I think this is really interesting, given what we've just been talking about. Um would it, Simon said earlier, I, I just don't like this team anymore because it is a collection of, you know, there's a lot of players who think they're superstars and they're really not. Last year we had an identity, didn't we? Everything mm-hmm. about it was like this, I don't know, this kind of band of brothers and things like that. This team feels a million miles away from that. Do you know what the identity is? Can you put your finger? Because most managers we've had, have given us an identity. And last season, we thought we knew what Vincent's identity was. Is that the case this season? Or do you agree with Andy that, you know, what is the identity? I mean, I, obviously the identity is trying to continue in some which way, shape or form what we're doing last season. But maybe we got away with that because it was such a shit league. You know, we're suddenly up against uh, a, a bunch of teams that are, you know, it, it literally is men against boys. We, we, we're pretenders at this uh, at this lock. You know, we've got a we've got a guy who's second season in uh, management in English football, and with a load of young lads who have never particularly played before at this kind of a level. And it's like, what honestly, what did we expect? If it was this easy, just to waltz into the Premier League, sign a load of nineteen-year-olds and piss it, I mean, you know, Cambridge would have won it by now. Let's get it right, you know. And I, we can see what he wants to try and do, but it's not that easy, obviously, to do it, you know. Um, but I, I, I do, I do share. I, I must admit, I, I do like that comment from Simon that I don't like this side. Um and yeah, I, I get that sense as well. It's it's a it's a difficult one to kind of you know enjoy because we keep seeming to do the identity seems to be that we're making the same mistakes over and over again. It's a bit like the myth of Sisyphus, and it's you know I, I yeah, I, I I can't answer that. I don't know what the identity is, you know. I think I know what he wants it to be, but it's not there. You know, we just yeah. seem to be fucking things up in different ways. <laughs> Mm. I said, I think it's a bit to, to say, like you know, I, I don't like this team. I, I won't go that far, but it's it's not a team that we've fallen in love with by any stretch. Yeah. You think about the love that everyone had for Teller, for Matson, for Zorori, for Benson. You know, existing love for Barnes and Jayron and Cork and Taylor. You know, Murich, the crowd came to love. Uh, you know, Taylor Howard Bellis and the. Uh, even when he was missing for the last couple of couple of months, and mm. you know, he'd run he'd run over to cricket field on his crutches and pumping his fists, and you know it seemed like he'd really bought into things, and we just haven't got that, have we? There's, there's no. It, if, if you're makes, 12 years old, whose poster have you got on your wall? You know that makes, sort of thing. It just <laughs> yeah, it makes a difference when you're winning three, four nil every week, though, doesn't it? Like you can fall. It's easy yes. to fall in love with a side yes. like that, isn't it? You know. Mm-hmm. 
only look well, at the player, just... can't you? You know, you can, you know, you can still look like we, you know, we're still raving now about Stevie Fletcher, fifteen years mm. on. You know, it's he was a fabulous player. Yeah, I think we know I, I we know what company like wants to do, don't we? We, we? we 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 know what we know how he wants to play that for that game against City, where he played sort of five up front and thought. I, I don't know what he was thinking. Did he think we were going to steamroll them? Did he think we were going to just sort of over? Never a better time to play City, though. We all said, didn't we? Let's be honest. We that, that's yeah. that's clearly what he wants to do. I think he's had to adjust, hasn't he? He's got, he's had to develop a little bit of pragmatism and 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 rein that that instinct in. Um, so and that I think is why we don't know what the identity is because he, he's he's going he's going against the grain, uh, uh, you know, in terms of what he wants to do. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Do do I not like the team? I don't know. I I've seen some good things from them. I think I think that first half against Luton was really poor and they lacked intensity. But most of the time, they do seem to be putting the shift in. They do. It's not like they're not not trying is it it's not like there's i don't know that that first off was really disappointing but i, I think they are they are putting the they are putting the work in i mean I, god knows what happens during the week when they're on the training ground um because there must there must be a lot to get through a lot to do when they review these games um i wouldn't say i wouldn't go so far as to say i, I don't like them i've seen some I, I i love what i think foster's great to watch i think the way he plays is is uh, impressive, um, but I, I don't think I'd say I don't like them. I, I, I think we've underachieved so far, and I'm hoping for better things. I think that's what I would say. Let me just explain what I mean by I don't like them. Then, if, if, if it's been brought up a few times saying that, and I know it, it does sound strong, but I think when you think back at previous Burnley teams, even when they've not been particularly good, they've there's been the feeling that. That they are that they are Burnley players in in a sense that, mm, that, that yeah. that's that's hard to explain exactly what that means really. But you know, the, obviously Daish's team had a really strong identity that they took from the manager, and I think this team also takes to a degree their identity from the manager. And there's a little bit of arrogance about the with this team, and it, it, there's a little bit of an arrogance about company, which can be when things are going well, he's great. Um, and doesn't come over as arrogance when things go, going well. Um, he sounds very, very rooted. But this idea, you know, the, some of the things he said, you know, this will be the worst we've played against Manchester City, and it's, it, this constant, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna get better. We can't sign any strikers better than 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 Lyle Foster, and these kind mm -hmm. of expressions do sound a little bit um, not rooted in reality. Um, and, this, and the team gives off this feeling of like um, of arrogance, really. Trezor doing that flick is an arrogant thing to do. Um, I just don't see like a heart and soul, and I'm not saying they're not putting the effort in, but I don't, I don't think they've got an identity amongst themselves. I don't think they're a team. They're not really a team or a unit. They haven't gone through those things that we saw. You know, when you saw Tarkovsky and me. Facing wave after wave of attack from teams and holding them off and so on, you liked that, even though it wasn't spectacular, beautiful football or anything. I liked that, and I, I liked things even about the Steve Cottrell era. I liked things about the Owen Coyle team and 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 going back to you know all our favourite players and so on. There's just nothing about this team that like. There's a couple of players who show sparkles and moments where you say like you know Chris was saying I'm doing it. You see, I'm doing. It, you think, yeah, technically he's good, but then he, he does really makes the wrong decisions constantly. Um, it's just not just. I just feel there's a, there's a sort of arrogance about I, that interview. Actually, with the new new signing, really annoyed me because I thought, you know, for somebody to come, it just he's just unthinkable that Sean Dash's Burnley would have a player come in and say, yeah, Bundesliga, you got to run and run all the time, you know. <laughs> And I'm a bit lazy, you know. It's absolutely unthinkable that would appear on, uh, you know, mm. the, the, at that time that anyone would have thought, "I oh, will stick that out for the fans." I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't know. I, I, it's it's hard hard to like this team. But let's put it that way: it's hard to like them. I think what you're saying is it's it it and and you've said it really well there that it doesn't really feel like Burnley, does it? No, it doesn't. 
I, I said as much to my my boy when we came off the off. I was angry about the decision um, not to disallow that goal. I was angry we'd been denied two points, but at the end of the day, I was like, do you know what? It don't really feel like Burnley anymore. This uh, the whole club, in fact, doesn't. Well, that's it. That's it. You that's know, hard. on and off the pitch, it's like we've gone we've gone down a road, haven't we? That is, um, it's it. I, I always think uh, football clubs have like personalities that are forged by their history, yeah. and uh, if you go against that, you 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 fight in a losing battle. And I sort of feel like that's kind of what's happening now. We're we're not we're not staying true to our roots, if you will. What yeah. cheering up! What a cheering up! <laughs> well, people get really upset when we're really negative, so we, we should perhaps have a trigger warning at the start and in the description. Um, but we, there is some good news: we don't have a game next weekend. So you know, <laughs> and the, news, the next game is against Man City at the Etihad. So that's the annual yeah, well. at the Etihad. Um, or is it? Will we finally get a refereeing decision? Uh, going our favour. I'm not sure we will. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to the uh, the lads for their contributions. Thanks for your questions. We will be back later in the week with a, a, a new episode. We'll probably get to, get to even more questions and get some, some more questions answered. And hopefully we might have some more kind of transfer news, ins and outs and things like that. Um, but don't forget, you can keep up to date with everything that we're up to on the social media at BL Podcast. Uh, and until next time, enjoy the week enjoy looking forward to a free weekend where you're not going to be head in hands in despair at 10 past three or 10 past two when the teams are announced uh, and we'll see you soon <laughs> up the clarets